Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Make no mistake, cancel culture is on the march. Say the wrong thing and you might just get canceled yourself. Today, I talked to a Trump supporter in Hollywood who knows all about the cultural assault on conservatives. This is Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. I've got a great show for you today. My guest is a rarity, a Hollywood actor who actually endorsed Donald Trump for president. I'm talking about Dean Kane, an accomplished actor, producer, TV host, and former football player. Yes, the man can do it all. Dean is perhaps best known for playing Superman in a TV series, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. He also hosted Ripley's Believe It or Not, and is currently working on a host of projects that we'll get into. But perhaps more than anything, Dean is a free thinker, unafraid to express his opinions, even in a hostile environment. And that's where I want to focus on our conversation. Let's go. Dean Kane, welcome to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm honored to be here, Gianno. It's been a long time since we've actually had a t- chance to have a conversation, too. So I'm, I'm always happy to do so. That's, that's right. And I haven't seen you in so long because we've not been around the L.A. Bureau. The Fox News has been closed down since the start of the pandemic, and we're all operating out of our homes these days. So it's it's really tough, but I do miss my friends. But what you don't know is I moved to Miami oh! two months into the L.A. shutdown where there was freedom. This is the best state in the country right now. Yeah, I hear wonderful things about Florida. That's for sure. Governor DeSantis is doing great stuff. And your mayor of Miami seems like a sharp tack, too. Just jumping into you, what are you up to these days? Well, you know, it's funny. I've been I've been crazy busy. This 2020 was a weird year because of all the shutdown and all the things that happened. So, so many things that I was supposed to be filming and doing didn't happen. So, like anybody else, I, you know, I I will turn and and do things based on what opportunities are there. So, I actually was sworn into two different departments as a police officer last year as a reserve police officer in Pocatello, Idaho. Thank you for your and as a sheriff's deputy in Frederick County, Virginia, uh, my support for law enforcement and first responders and our military is true and real and 100 percent. And so instead of just talking about it uh, I, during this time where it's been such a high anti-police sentiment, I made sure that I joined up and my voice and my actions match. So uh, I got to do that this in 2020, which was amazing. Um, and I also shot a whole bunch of little little Christian movies and um, kept myself more than more than plenty busy. And this year already, um, I'm start I'm getting ready to uh, produce, direct, star in, and a picture that I wrote. Um, we were supposed to start at the end of January in in Hawaii, but they shut us down. The COVID shut us down. For now, we're going in March in New Mexico or April in New Mexico. But uh, I'm busy as can be all the time and uh, happy as a clam. As a police officer, have you been 
and driving the cars? Like, have you pulled people over? Do they say, oh, my God, Superman, you're pulling me over? <laughs> like, what is this? No, well, I'm there. Uh, if we were to pull somebody over, I would be the support police. I'd be a support officer. So I would try to keep my mouth shut and stay out of the way from let the let the lead officer do everything. We work with a foundation called the uh, – uh, well, we work with the Internet Crimes Against Children, ICAC. Uh, every place has one of those um, departments, and and the department we have in, uh, especially in Virginia, is very, very strong. And so we're doing a lot of interesting things, even talking about redoing that show to catch a predator because we have so many out there with the Internet and what people are doing. I have two – my godkids are nine years old, almost ten, and the stuff they hear blows me away. So the 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 access that, that criminals and – people with some bad intentions have to our children, into our homes, into our lives is really terrifying. And so uh, I'd love to be out there talking about the dangers for kids. Pay attention to that. And parents, more more than anything else, pay attention to what your kids are doing on the internet because there are bad people who want to who want to do bad things to your kids. And it's awful. It's, a, it's the reality. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. I want to begin with a topic that you're quite familiar with and that cancel culture. Huh. We're talking about you, <laughs> talking about you personally. What are your thoughts on big tech's recent efforts to silence conservatives? Oh, I, I, big tech is making a big mistake, in my opinion. You can't do this. is This is Orwellian. And then we've been sort of flirting with it for a while, but suddenly everybody feels extremely empowered to go ahead and start removing people and 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 their right to free speech. And I find that abhorrent. It's against everything that we stand for as Americans. You, you know, if we don't agree with each other, okay, let's be respectful toward one another. No violence, but let's have the conversation. They're shutting down conversation. They're shutting down one side's point of view. Um, it's it's extremely uh, terrifying. It's a really, really huge problem and we need to uh, address it directly. I'm not so sure that this incoming administration is gonna do so, but it, it needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and your points on, on free speech. So you really see this as a really strong threat to fee, free speech. Clearly, if they're censoring folks, they're banning the president of the United States is extraordinarily problematic. And they've already gone down that hill. So with that being the case, how, how can conservatives fight back? How can people in general fight back? Because this is something that really in, impacts conservatives. But I think everyone can really be under attack, no matter what your political ideology is. Oh, you know, they're going to come for everybody. The cancel culture yeah, itself. You're you're going to get brought in somehow. You know, you had an extra taco at, at lunch. Oh, you just disrespected, you know, everybody from the Mexican-American community. We like, wait, all, it's just madness, the stuff that's going on. Yeah. What are you trying to, uh, you're trying to uh, uh, appropriate that culture, Gianno, having a taco at lunch? What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. it's, it's that ridiculous. Um, so I think it's a I think it's a real real huge problem, and it's it's one of the biggest problems I think we face as a nation right now. We've got the ability to speak is being you're being shut out if you don't have the right point of view. It's it's insane to me. It is against everything that we stand for, and I think that there's going to have to be some some legislative changes made. Uh, you know, whether it's Section two hundred and thirty or whatever it is, um, you know, you can't just you can't do that. You can't just target one side. Um, apply, you know, rules are supposed to apply equally to everyone in this country. The law is supposed to apply everywhere to to everyone equally in this country. I believe in it. I know it doesn't always work that way, but I believe in it, and and I think we're always striving toward a more perfect union. So we're try striving to make it better. It's not perfect, but what they're doing right now is the exact wrong way to go. Cancel culture. And, so. and that social media, social media specifically, have, have there been attempts to cancel you? <laughs> I've been a can I've been canceled for everything. Let's see. Now, if I say, <laughs> oh, I support President Trump's policies. Yeah, well, you were the worst Superman ever. Uh, okay. <laughs> non sequitur there, but uh, uh, fine. I was on Supergirl, the show Supergirl, and people were calling for me to be removed from the show because I support President Trump. You know, back in the day, this is way early in the beginning of the administration, uh, uh, because I sit on the board of directors for the NRA or because I'm a police officer, you know, because I support our military. I support everyone's right to have an opinion. And I would fight for opinions that I don't agree with. I would fight for someone's right to be able to express an opinion that I don't agree with. Those are the ones that that need to be protected. Um, it, it's and, and what's happening on college campuses and shutting down speakers and things like that. I'm against all of that. 
I'm I want people to have the conversations and respect other people's point of view. I always try to. Uh, I try to do it that on Twitter and everywhere else. But again, I get I get canceled left, right, and center for everything. I was promoting a film that I did called Gosnell, which dealt with the the, the atrocities of Kermit Gosnell, the abortion clinic doctor from Philadelphia, who's in jail for three counts of murder and one count of uh, manslaughter or something like that. And and he was a butcher. He was killing live babies. It was awful. And we, we did the film and the film, I think, was a very strong, very good film. And we we're out promoting it. Producers made all sorts of arrangements for where we're going to go on, what shows and what places. And we went and spoke to the Family Research Council, which, of course, the Southern Poverty Law Center called a hate group. And because I was speaking there, it doesn't matter anything else that I had done in my lifetime or what I had said on on gay rights or on abortion rights or whatever it happens to be. The fact that I spoke there, oh, everybody wanted to cancel me there. They yelled at me for that. Um, you know, even though I didn't even agree at the time at, at all with the Family Research Center's uh, policy on abortion, I didn't agree with making it illegal. I still don't agree with making it illegal, but I have, I would like to see some strong restrictions, but I was canceled for that. So I guess the short answer, Gianno, and I've been canceled more times than I can count. And, and you know how much it bothers me? None. Now, now speaking of that mentality, because in your Twitter byline, you say that you won't tweet something that you wouldn't say to someone's face. In other words, you're not afraid to say what you mean and mean what you say. Talk about that mentality. Where does it come from? And are you afraid of being silenced if you say something that the powers that be deemed to be too provocative? I mean, I've said things that the powers that be have deemed to be too provocative or unpopular so many times. And I'm sure there's 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 been roles and things that, you know, that has cost me. But I think that's ridiculous. I don't condone Robert De Niro standing up at the Tonys and saying, F Trump and getting a standing ovation. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's absolutely abhorrent. Will I still watch Meet the Fockers? Yes, I will. And I think he's funny, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the case. And, uh, and, and I, I, I'm able to separate the two. I want to have these conversations with everybody else. But, I, you know, I, I just think that um, it's going to reach a point, and it always does in this cancel culture situation where, where everybody else gets canceled. I mean, even now with uh, the, you know, the stuff, the abhorrent attack on the Capitol, by people trying to storm the Capitol, um, all of a sudden Democrats are screaming about how wonderful the police and our our Capitol Police and our our law enforcement folks are. When during all the Antifa riots and BLM riots and yeah. things going on, um, they were defund the police and their police are the worst. And you know, it's it just it, you can't play that game. You're gonna lose that game. I am consistent. I would never tweet something. I wouldn't say directly to someone's face. And that even includes some of the rude things that I say. You got to push me to get me to, to say something like that. But I'm a grown man. At a certain point in time, I've had it. And somebody's crossed the line. You know, if they say something yeah. about my kid or, uh, you know, something like that. Now you've done it. Now, now, now you've done it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't think people follow that. I try to live my life by the golden rule, my friend. And, and that includes uh, in social media. And as it should be. Now, You've mentioned that you have different beliefs in terms of your, your politics. How do you just describe your political views? You obviously have problems with the left, but is conservative the right label to to give you? If you want to say label at all. Yeah, you know, it's hard. I think I'm hard to label. I mean, I, I've gotten the label of being a conservative big time. But if you talk to like really staunch conservatives, they, they, they wouldn't think I'm conservative. I, I happen to be very socially, very liberal. Uh, fiscally, foreign policy-wise, I'm very conservative. I'm a big supporter of our military. I believe in li- limited government, low taxation. I believe in capitalism to the nth degree. I believe in meritocracy. I don't believe in in. Uh, I believe in equality of opportunity, but not of outcome ever, ever. And you try to make that happen, you're creating you're creating something that, that can't exist. It's just beyond human nature. I, I believe we should have some sort of a safety net. For folks um, who are in trouble, but giving them a hand up as opposed to a hand out instead of encouraging them, encouraging them to get out of that cycle of poverty instead of um, getting comfortable in it. You know, and, and so these are my, those are real basic goals. If that makes me a conservative, so be it. If it makes me a liberal, I don't care what people do on their socially. I've been for gay marriage forever. I, I grew up in Hollywood. I grew up in Malibu, California. I grew up with Sean Penn, Chris Penn, Rob Lowe, Charlie Sheen. You know, Emilio Estevez, Holly Robinson. These are the kids that I grew up with. And I wouldn't say many of them are conservative, you know, and we've had these conversations and so on and so forth. I, you know, I'm all for equality of opportunity, but but not outcome. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So not even a libertarian view per se, but I, I really appreciate what you, you said in terms of um, giving the people a hand up, not a hand out. And you're talking about the protection of that safety net. I think that's critically important. And as someone who comes from uh, poverty, grew up with nothing in, in Chicago, much of nothing. I think it, people realize oftentimes once they come out of that, that the best policy is to give someone a job. Well, not even get for them to earn an opportunity for themselves. And with that being the case, I think that safety net, having a strong safety net that's temporary is so beneficial to people. So you're, you're hitting a, a, a lot of hard nuggets, which would make people say you're a Republican for sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, here in California, I am a decline to state. You know, there's a recall election disc being discussed here in California. There's a petition to remove Gavin Newsom, a.k.a. Patrick Bates from American Psycho. He looks like him. I'm just I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> right. But but, uh, uh, but he looks like he's trying to pose for a GQ thing at the same time. So it's a weird visual. But uh, he, there's a recall weird. petition for him. Uh, and if that happens, I've been I've been hearing I've just been in fielding a large number of inquiries to get me to run for governor here in California. Again, I'm wow. socially very liberal, but fiscally and foreign policy wise, I am, a, I am, I'm very, very conservative. Uh, and I'm a low taxation guy. We have the worst tax laws in the country here in California, and they're just getting worse. And we have terrible forest management going on. We have terrible, you know, water management going. I mean, we have so many problems here, you know, these power outages constantly. We're like living in a third world country here sometimes and we're locked down and for reasons that I don't agree with. And there's just different ways. California is this huge state to make a blanket, um, you know, pro proclamation as to how everything has to be run. It's just, there's so much wrong with it, but I keep, I'm continually getting sort of this barrage of, Hey, run for governor. And uh, I don't want to, but that's the only reason that would make me think that I should. I don't want to be a politician. I don't want it. That's terrible. My life is fantastic. Why would I want to mucky it up with that, you know, jump in the middle of that in politics? It's ugly and gross. But if I thought I could do some good, I might consider that. I think, especially for California, having lived there for so many years, what you've noticed is a lot of Republicans more lean towards the the issues of uh, the economy and building people up, businesses, et cetera, and they leave the social issues to someone else. So I think that's right in line with what we've seen. Who would you say if you were to run or if you were to be governor of California, who do you think you would govern like? Well, I would like to say Ronald Reagan um, because I, I fortunately had a chance to meet. There he is right there. <laughs> meet so with folks, uh, folks, my back wall. Folks can't <laughs> see that there's a, a picture uh, behind you with, because it's audio only. So you got a picture of Reagan. You're with Reagan in that photo. Yes, sir. Um, a young me in probably 1993 or 94 with uh, former President Reagan at the time. And I had studied so much about what he had done as a history major and uh, just watching, you know, things happen in the end of the Cold War. And, um, you know, he had also been my governor here in California. And um, just the things he said, I promise you this right now, if I do run, I'm going to I will steal and cite half of my words from Ronald Reagan because the things he said were just dead on. That's really interesting. I want to pick up from there in a moment, but first let's take a quick break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. This is really interesting. So we've got some breaking news out of you. That, that's so exciting. <laughs> so, so do you, are there more Republicans and conservatives in Hollywood than what we think? Yeah. So uh, along those lines of what we just discussed, like I'll be on set and have these conversations, right? And some maybe someone will be upset or whatever and blah, blah, blah. But then I'll have seven grips, the electrician, three other actors walk up and go, hey, man, that's exactly how I feel. I just don't want to say anything. Thank you for standing up. You know, it's just, you know, we, we're all afraid to say anything because we want to yeah. keep our jobs. So just don't say anything. I'm like, that's all right. I'll take the heat for now. But uh, it's nice to know that people appreciate it. I get stopped all the time and quietly thanked for, for my positions and for speaking out. Not so much for my, my positions are my positions and I don't do it to get thanked. But for speaking out, people thank me all the time. And almost never does someone have a conversation and, and challenge me. I'm happy to. Please, let's have a discussion and see where we find common ground and see where we disagree and why we disagree and, you know, agree to disagree on certain things. But uh, so many people, too many people are afraid to have the conversations and won't have the conversations. And they shut you down by calling you, uh, you know, an ism or an ist. You're, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're a racist, you're a xenophobe, you're a this, that, you know, just because I, I think we should have strong immigration law, you know, and I think, and I believe in the border wall and I believe that Congress needs to get off their tail and, and reform immigration law. Yeah. You know, I think these things are real simple and they should be done. But people, they're like, well, the president, it's his fault for doing this. And no, it isn't. He doesn't set immigration law. That's right. That's set by Congress. And people are like, well, what? I'm like, well, don't you're you don't really know what you're talking about, do you? And, and that's that's where we start getting into it. And I love that. And having those conversations, I think, you know, is it, it, it empowers everybody because it's more knowledge for everybody to discuss. and. I'm always open to it. There's so much that needs to be reformed in our government. It's just hard to pinpoint everything because there's so much. There is so much. much. And part of the problem is entrenched politicians and that entrenched bureaucracy that exists. If if anybody spends any time in in Washington, D.C., you know that all you have to do in Washington, D.C. to move up in the ranks is to hang around. Just be there. You don't have to be talented (laughs) or do anything good. You're eventually going to move up the ranks because that's just what they do. They're just a plug and play. And it's ridiculous because you get so many of these unelected bureaucrats that just keep rising. It's like Hollywood. You know, you can fail upward in Hollywood very easily. Do you think we should have term limits on every elected official or especially those in Congress? But do you think we should have term limits? That really should be a national mandate. I'd like to see it happen because I think they get too entrenched. Um, You know, maybe six terms in the House and two terms of senators. I mean, how much time do you have to be in government? I cannot stand the political class. We were never, ever supposed to have a political class here in the United States. We're supposed to be citizen politicians. And that makes sense to me. I mean, 12 years to be a senator, that's a long time. 12 years is a long time. You can be governing for 12 years and then go back and be the governed. You can also do 12 years in the House. Okay, now you got 24 years. I mean, you're looking at a lot of time in politics. But people have been doing it to get forever. Joe Biden, 47 years. I mean, that's it. That's all he's ever done. And yeah. it's like, what? It's not how that's not how it should be. Uh, and I and I don't like that for America. So yes, I believe there should be term limits, Gianno. And 
And you know, it's interesting that you, you mentioned Joe Biden and his time in office. And it, one of the classic lines from the debate was, Joe, you've been in office for 47 years. What have you done? <laughs> it's like you can't even point to some of the things these politicians have done because outside of cutting ribbons and maybe shaking hands, it's like, well, how has your time in office benefited my life? And I think that's where they get in so much trouble. Well, they t- I co-sponsored 11 bills. What does that even mean? <laughs> You didn't write the damn thing there. I know how it works. Somebody goes, hey, will you co-sponsor this? Okay, that's it. You don't even read the You get your staffers reading it. They don't read the bills half the time. They're not looking through stuff. I mean, some do, and I and I applaud them. But, you know, when you give them 5,000-page, you know, bill and it has to be voted on tomorrow, that's insane. And that happens. It just happened. So that kind of stuff is ridiculous. A stimulus bill, it's 5,000 pages long. We give it to you today. By tomorrow at 5 p.m., we got to vote on it. Bro, no, I don't know how you can it. It's two hours later? Two, two <laughs> hours. Two hours later. I mean, that stuff is just ridiculous. Come on. It shouldn't happen. Yeah. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. Back in July, you appeared on Fox News, and you said cancel culture has gotten so bad that you probably wouldn't be able to say Superman's catchphrase today. And the catchphrase is, of course, truth, justice, and the American way. What did you mean when you said that? Good question, sir. Uh, so if you've noticed, um, except because immediately someone else popped off and said, oh, you called me an MF or this and blah, blah, blah. And said, I just wrote hit those words into this recent comic. I was like, I don't, I haven't seen him, but okay, let me take a look. I looked and saw it and it wasn't him, Superman that said it. It was someone else who said it, who was sort of a, uh, a soldier, like a blood, bloodlusting soldier person who had been shooting people, but whatever. That's the person who said it. The reason I say it is because they haven't said it in any of the iterations of Superman for the longest time. They won't say it, you know, truth, justice, and all that stuff. They'll say stuff like that. The reason I find it so important, and I think it's such an important phrase, is truth and justice, we all agree, should be th- – th- that is not something that I think is up for – argument. Truth and justice should prevail 100%. The American way, so when you take a character like Superman, it's very pro-America. He is very pro-American values. This is the strongest being on the planet, and he could be whatever he wants to be, evil, good, however. But he was raised in small-town Kansas with small-town family values, small-town American values. It wouldn't matter if the parents were black, white, green, yellow, orange. If they're raised with those values, that's what I talk about. That's the American way. And that is hundred um, percent what I mean by saying that people don't like the American way. They don't believe in that meritocracy. They don't believe in self-reliance and, and, and some of these things that I think are just hugely important building blocks of America and what makes America the, that shining city on a hill. Everybody wants to be here. I don't care what these people are talking about when they're talking about like, Oh, nobody wants to be in America. I'm all over the world. I've had a home in Europe for 20 years. Baloney. Everybody wants to be in America because in America, you can make anything of yourself. That possibility exists and it doesn't exist in other countries, in in many other countries. That ability, regardless of your skin color, your religion, your caste, any of that stuff wouldn't matter here in the United States. You invent the zipper, you're a gajillionaire. Congratulations. You just helped mankind and uh, you get to reap the benefits of your reward. You do that in North Korea, well, you get nothing. And, and it's such a shame that, that that's kind of where we are. And it's good to know that you have a home in Europe. I, I travel the country all the time, and I love to have a place to stay. So thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it's, uh, that. Uh, on air, I will I will promise you it's yours, my friend. Oh, I don't okay. rent I it out. Only my friends go and stay there, and I offer it to my friends all the time. And then they're like, hey, listen, I, I just, I'm going to go and take you up on it. And I go, I wouldn't offer it if I didn't mean it. And so uh, I, I'm offering it up to you, my friend. And well, I'm very serious. I accept. It's, it's, so I'm dead serious. Deal. <laughs> that really brings me to my next question. You, of course, played professional football. I want to ask you about that experience later. But first, I was struck by a quote that I found from you. You once said this, there are so many things about playing football that seem to be uniquely American. Anybody can succeed. Anybody can play. But you've got to work hard to do it. Talk about being uniquely American. What values and traditions do you think define us? Like what really defines us? You mentioned some of the things, but in terms of being American, and are we losing that at this point? seems like a lot of our norms are dissipating. You think about Nancy Pelosi saying, 
hey, we're going to take out mother and father and all these different things. Like it, it seems like we blinked and life is just changing drastically. What, what, what What's going on here? Uh, you, uh, that is so terrifying. That's that whole Orwellian new speak stuff that's going on that I think is insane. Um, yes, but I, you know, at the same time as that, you hear those things from the top, if you will call Nancy Pelosi and her, you know, from her vaulted ceilings and her ice cream refrigerator and stuff like that, speaking down to the masses, that's one thing for her to make those changes. Those things don't change, uh, at, at the dinner table. And that's where things yeah. really take place in the United States. There's moms and there's dads and that nuclear family and having strong mothers and fathers raising our children. That's number one. That's where it begins. Nancy Pelosi can take the word mother or father or brother or sister or daughter or whatever out of, out of the official language. But at the dinner table, I'm dad and it's yes, sir. And that's mom. And it's yes, ma'am. And you do. And and when those things are taught that's then you have that discipline and respect but the things about football that are uniquely American that I go back to is meritocracy. I don't care where you're from. We're a football team and you're a defensive lineman. I need you to do your job so I can do mine. You put pressure on that quarterback, I'm going to pick him off. And then I'm going to thank you for putting pressure on that quarterback for making so it allowed me to make my play. That's what you learn. Um, and, and we need each other as Americans and we come together. We always have in our 244 year history or whatever we're at now, you know, we have, we come together and that's uniquely American and playing as as a team. And again, a meritocracy, you put together a football team, everybody's got a whole complete different backgrounds, upbringings, whatever. And the only thing that matters is what you do on the field and how you do it together. We're playing football together. I don't care if you're gay, straight, sideways, whatever you are, if you're a good defensive put back, I love you. Let's go. You know, let's play ball. I don't care about any of that stuff. You're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care. We do our jobs. We'll do our jobs together and we win. That's, that's very interesting. It's uh, one of those traditions, what makes America, America, unity. And I think back to 9-11, September 11, 2001. I was a freshman at Simeon High School in Chicago. I was walking into music cool. class and I recall the music teacher saying it was the TV on, which was never on. He was like, oh, there was a plane that just went in the tower. They think this is an accident. And I was watching, watching, watching. And then I saw uh, the second plane going to the tower, which I thought was just a replay of the first. And I'm like, wow, they got this on tape. And then we realized that we were at war. But what came out of it, the ramifications of that attack, is Americans could not be more united. It didn't matter what race issues existed. You're black, you're white, whatever, uh, you, uh, income status, none of that mattered. We united as a country. We were the greatest. And I had never in my life seen anything like that before. Um, and since then, I've not really seen it since. Absolutely, I agree. We should unify. But do you think it's disingenuous, the, the, disingenuous, the calls that the Democrats are making when they're continuing to try to divide us at the same time? Uh, yes, their calls are completely disingenuous. There's no doubt about that. But let me go back real quick to what you said, like that unity you'd never really seen about America. I've always felt that that's America. Like for me, that wasn't new unity. I always felt like I knew we have some divisions here and there, little things going on about this, that, the other. But I never felt like any of them were so big that they weren't like they, they, they were just small issues. And I felt like uh, on the whole, we were tremendously united. These current Democrat calls for unity are a joke. Mm-hmm. Unity, we should be together. Let's impeach the president again in a political impeachment, which we shouldn't have done the first time. And literally everything that was warned about in the Federalist Papers and everything, every framer of the Constitution explained that this was, should never be done for political purposes. And it's being done 100% for political purposes now. Um, ridiculous. And people are throwing around words like insurrection and and traitor and sedition um, when they don't really know what they're talking about. And that that grosses me out. That just makes the words useless. Same as the way they throw around racist or Nazi or xenophobe. Uh, the, the, you know, you're you're really devaluing what those words mean when you call anybody who disagrees with you a Nazi. I'm sorry. They do. And political violence, I don't support at any point in time. Chris Kyle, who's also on my wall behind me there, um, had a had a saying that he took from somebody else, which says, and, and I'm not advocating violence, let me put that up front, but he, that little thing that they, little saying that they went by was this, despite what your mama told you, violence does solve problems. And that's the, and that's the mindset of a warfighter. And that's the mindset of me, if you touch my child, 
you know, and there's, there's things like that. It's like certain times, you know, that you, I don't ever want to be violent, but knowing that I can be violent might change somebody's opinion to walk up to me and, you know, try to hit me in the head with an egg. Absolutely. Now, let, let me ask you a question, because you mentioned the Capitol. Do you think President Trump bears any responsibility to uh, what happened a week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't, I was busy during that time, honestly. So I missed all the speeches and all the things that happened. And what I've caught up with, uh, it seems to me like, you know, if they decided to censure him for that, that would make sense. Does he bear some responsibility? Sure. I'm sure he does. Some of the things he said was, you know, it seems like he was calling to get people to go to the Capitol and, um, and it was inflaming tensions to some degree, but I don't think it's any worse than things that have been said by numerous folks on the other side of the aisle that are now Maxine castigating Waters. him. Pardon me? Yeah, Maxine Waters being one of them. Yeah, go get in. Oh, Trump, when you see a Trump, Trump supporter Trump or anybody from the administration get in their face, yeah. um, you know, and they're, they're, the stuff they're talking about now, you know, deprogramming Trumpists and the cult, and you, these words they're using are frightening if you know anything about, you know, communism or about, the, quote, deprogramming people who, who, who with whom you don't agree. I mean, that's like dehumanizing people, which is the next step to the Holocaust. I mean, then we'll take all Trump supporters and we'll put them in trains and we'll take I mean, that, that, that people saying this stuff is insane. Not hiring anybody from from the former administration because, uh, you know, they're a pariah, this, that. Or that. It, it's it's it, that's the whole thing. It's groupthink. And you have to go along with what we say or else you can't be part of the team. That's insane. I want to shift the conversation from cancel culture to patriotism right after a quick word from our sponsor. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. I talked to a lot of folks and people, especially in the spots that we're in on television and in media and before the spotlight, people are seriously concerned. And it feels like there's an attack. If, you, if you're putting together a hit list, which is what um, some organizations, the Lincoln Project, putting together a oh. list of folks who worked in the administration under Donald Trump, and they want to follow them throughout their career and ensure that they don't get any opportunities, that's dangerous. Me, personally, I, th- I think it's no secret to anybody who's listening or even you. I don't agree with everything President Trump says, and I'll say it. I think he shouldn't have said that, or he's made it all about him, or people can consider this to be racist, what he said in this moment, um, whether he meant it or not, or however he did it. Like, I I'm, I don't mind calling him out, but as you mentioned, the policies have been extraordinarily beneficial, and I believe in uh, policy over rhetoric. So and if you look there at you Joe go. Biden, he didn't say a lot of problematic things. He didn't say things that people can construe as racist. Like, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. 
like a, the 94 <laughs> crime bill. We can go down a list, list, list. So when you try to compare the two, it's like you're not calling balls and stripes. It's like you, you see people who are clearly biased in their assessment. But now it's gotten gone to a level where there's people legitimately scared. I'm talking about conservatives in a lot of cases because you just don't know what the left will do next. And that fear is just showing up everywhere. Yeah, I, I and I think it's legitimate. I understand it. I hear it from tons and tons of people. People say it to me constantly, how they're so scared of this, that, or the other thing. I've had a lot of quiet phone calls going like, hey, man, <laughs> this is out of control. And, and, and I'm terrified. And I understand it. And listen, if I were just starting my career, I probably wouldn't be nearly as vocal, but I'm a grown, I'm 54 years old. I'm a grown man, you know, a father whose kids in college. Um, I, I, I just, I have to speak my piece. And I, and like you, I didn't, I didn't agree with everything the president said. I supported his policies. Almost every single one I thought were fantastic policies. I, I would like to have seen the deficit go down. Some, I had issues with some of the things he did and certainly some of the things he said. But uh, all in all, yeah, my support for the president and his policies was tremendous. And mm-hmm. I look at Joe Biden and the people he's bringing in, and I, I'm terrified for our country. I just think it's going to be, do we, how, how, how does the country weather this? I don't think it's going to be great for us. I'll tell you what's really going to happen is that the news, the 24-hour news cycle is going to slow down to molasses, my friend. Because, <laughs> because if you don't have President, when President Trump, it was like, on cocaine and a speedball and then people would just, I mean, it was like insanity. I couldn't believe the speed with what, what stuff was happening. It's like, it's only Tuesday. We've got this, that, that, that. I think now it's going to be like molasses dripping. If the progressive, super progressive wing gets to take over, I think we're in big trouble. And, yeah, I, don't, and, I, think, uh, and I think they're going to get a, a backlash because I don't think Americans will stand for that very long. And, that, and that's where we go to 2024. So hopefully we can, as Republicans, me personally, I, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to take back the House. But it doesn't sound like you have like quite an optimistic view about a Biden presidency or what he brings to the table. I, listen, I hope cabinet. he does well. I, I hope he does well because I root for America. And if he does well, then America does well. But the policies he's talking about, I hope they don't do well because they're not good policies. You know, re-entering the Iran, the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal is a joke. Re-entering the Paris Climate Accords is a joke. It's a non-binding treaty. It should be a treaty. That's supposed to be a treaty. It's supposed to get ratified by Congress, but they won't do that. You know, these things shouldn't happen by executive fiat. There's a reason that they got undone by a new president. There's a process for it, and they're stepping across the process. Obama did it with his pen and a phone, and that's not okay. And that's not how it's supposed to get done. So there's a lot of things putting people back in positions of power. Samantha Power, for example, um, it's all the same people from the former administration. And I just look at it and go, eh. You know, there's always these questions about kind of where do we go from here? And I mentioned Faith and you talked about putting in the work. But there's a pinned tweet on your Twitter account that's you and your son praying at a spot where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. What role does faith play in your life and how important is religion to maintain in a healthy country? Well, I think for me personally, faith is something I don't talk about. Like I don't beat people over the head with my faith or what I believe. But, um, you know, when you raise a kid, that's one of the things you have to discuss with your partner up front is what do we teach these kids? What do we talk about? Because you start talking about things that maybe you don't as a young person, you're not talking about every day. What happens when I'd explain to my son, you know, he's going to die someday. Man, when I told him that that three-year-old kid started shaking like he couldn't sleep at night. I would have to take him outside and sit under the stars and just sort of just soothe him um, because the thought of the thought of dying to him, you know, was this thing. And so we start talking about, you know, why are we here? What, you know, what do we believe in these sorts of things? And he actually helped me find my faith, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a way, his journey was sort of a journey for me too. And I've been exposed to the Bible and teachings in the Bible and, so for me, my faith is a personal thing, and I don't judge anybody by their faith. I have friends who are one of my really good friends is one of the foremost Islamic scholars in the world. Him and my son had some of the greatest conversations. I was I was like a fly on the wall watching these two talk. It was incredible. Um, so for me, it's an important part of my morality and my deeds and the things that I personally do. Um, you know, I don't pray all day every day, uh, but I've had moments where God and I have had some real clear conversations. Now that I realize how blessed I am and, and the situation I'm in, I, there are things that I want to do to help my fellow man, my fellow human. Um, and uh, But I am human. And uh, uh, the reason that is on my pinned Twitter spot is because um, that was a, 
such an incredible moment in the kingdom of Jordan uh, that I had with my son and uh, was able to share that with him. And there, they say there's places where it feels like, you know, the, the, the sky is thin or the air is thin, like the, the, right. the space between heaven and earth kind of just, you feel it really close and, you know, being all over Israel and Jordan and being in these places. And uh, I really felt like the air was very thin there. And to be able to share that with my son was one of the greatest moments uh, of my life. So that's why it's my pinned bit on Twitter, not to hit anybody over the head with my faith, but to say this was an incredible experience that we experienced together and to share that that's why it's up there. And my faith wow, guides so every decision I make. That's powerful. That is really powerful. That's a really powerful moment. My last question to you, and this one thing I try to do on Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell is to share stories about people who overcame adversity to inspire others. As uh, you know, and people, thank you all for getting my book, uh, taking for granted how conservatism can win back the Americans and liberalism failed. But people know I grew up in poverty on the south side of Chicago, and now I'm hosting this podcast and talking to well-known actor, a, a famous guy who may be the governor of California, and I'll come back <laughs> if you're the governor of moving back in immediately. There we go. You know, you yeah, absolutely. You were in the NFL at one time. You were signed to the Buffalo Bills, and you suffered a knee injury that ended your career prematurely. Can you talk about that experience and how difficult that was for you? Have you had any other setbacks that made you question everything you pushed through, nonetheless? Oh, there's been tons of setbacks. That's the thing. Anybody who's achieved anything has been told you could never do it. You can never do it. And you hear those stories from everybody who's ever achieved anything. Dude, you'll never make it. Somebody's a comedian. You're, you were a clown in class and they become this you know, tremendously famous comedian or whatever. Everybody will tell you a hundred million times you can't get something done. You can't do it. I was told I'd never make it to the NFL. I got to the NFL. I was really comfortable. I really liked where I was. I was with the Buffalo Bills. The defense was set up perfectly the way I like to play. It, it's literally like if I could craft a defense where I would fit in as a free safety, that was the defense. I was like, daddy's home. This is how I like to do things. <laughs> and I was really excited and I thought I was going to have a great career there. And I was injured and it was over. And I realized I was still a, an, a, an undrafted rookie and I was there. They only took three of us that were undrafted rookies that year. And that team was un, full of Hall of Fame guys, but I was very happy to be there. I was like, this is going to be great. This is where I want to be. And then I was injured and it just kind of shocks you. You're like, whoa. I mean, I was prepared for life after football by going to Princeton and having a a, 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 an education to fall back on. I just didn't think it was going to happen that fast. And the truth is when I was injured and had the surgery, I didn't think it was over. In fact, I was on like year three of Lois and Clark playing Superman. And I was already, you know, 27, 28, 29 years old. I was in like year three of that before I realized, man, I'm never going to play in the NFL again. I graduated. I was like, dang, I'm just like everybody else. Now all the stuff I've achieved. I now, if I want to work in film, I'm brand new. Nobody cares. So I, it's the same thing. All right. I'll put my nose to the grindstone and just hard work, hard work, and I'm going to earn it. You know, it's like anything else. Hard work and perseverance will pay off. And that's the thing I talk about to anybody says, how will I, could I ever be successful? And I just say that the my number one thing is to never give up, to always keep pursuing what it is that you want to do. And that's how you become successful. You know, Michael Jordan, I've never seen a man so competitive as Michael Jordan in my lifetime. And it was when he was doing Space Jam, as he was getting ready to make his comeback for the NBA, and he had come back the year before. He's on my wall behind me here. And with Magic, one of my other favorite players ever. And he, you know, didn't they didn't come back and win a, the championship. He was so focused and so angry. And they were out there playing, and they made up a whole gym for him. And he allowed me to come in there and play. There was one day when I was playing against Mike's team, and I hit the winning basket, and Mike had to go sit down. He was hot. He was angry, <laughs> angry. And we're playing the next game. We're kind of running this other team off. And I like somebody makes steal, comes to the outlet. And I just alley-oop to somebody. And this guy dunks it. And Mike's on the sideline. He's like, hey, every dog has his day. And, he's, and I was like, is Michael Jordan like talking smack to me right now? I was like, yes. Because <laughs> he just he was just, it was mad that he lost that game. And it wasn't like I did anything real special to win the game or anything. I mean, I made the shot, but but uh, you know, I can't I can't you know, <laughs> he was mad. He was mad. I made the shot, but that was I made the shot. <laughs> but yeah, but Mike was angry because that's that focus, it's that perseverance. You're not gonna beat him because he won't let you. 
I'm telling you, what an hour. And you left us with a really good nugget. And I'll, I'll add something to it. I heard you say hard work, persistence. And for me, it would be faith in God, which supersedes every human obstacle there is. It'll put you in a room of something you don't deserve. You'll have it just that faith in God will do that. So I, man, Brother Dean, I'm telling you, this has been a fantastic time. And I've learned so much about your journey personally. And uh, more importantly, you may be the next governor of California. (laughs) Your lips to God's ears, man. We'll see. You're the the guy to do it. No no question. Absolutely. How can people follow you and, and stay in touch? Well, currently I'm on Twitter. Uh, at at real Dean Kane until they throw me off or they try to. Uh, I'm on Cloud Hub at Dean Kane. I'm at Parlor if they ever unlock Parlor at Dean Kane. Uh, and uh, Instagram, I'm at Deuces1966. I can explain that. That's my kid. <laughs> he put me on Instagram. He was always like, "What's up, Dad? Deuces." I was like, "All right." I go. So he's like, "You got to be on Instagram." All right, go give me, give me. And he said, like, "All right, I'm gonna put you on his Deuces." And then I couldn't because someone had deuces. So he said, you use the year of my birth, 1966. Yes, I'm that old. I'll be sure to follow you there. So again, thank you so much for your time. It's been great. And uh, thank you for joining Out Loud with Gianna Caldwell. Dean Kane, everybody. Thanks to Dean Kane for a great interview. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcast. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloud at gingrich360.com. And I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Gianno Caldwell. If you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Take It For Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producer, Stephen Jones, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.